0: welcome back to the line to gain podcast you're here with your hosts i'm jeremy dixon you know the velvety voice of my my co-host mike parker mike how you doing man
1: doing great man good to be back on the on the podcast here
0: the golden mikes is what we call them uh
1: (laughs) no one calls me that
0: uh, i (laughs) do anyway (laughs) so yeah no it's good to be back it's good to be back you uh You know, we've been kind of brainstorming for a bit, trying to figure out, um, you know, what our next season is going to be. But in the meantime, you had a great idea for this episode. Why don't you uh, tell the people what that is? Yeah,
1: pretty straightforward. We're going to just talk about doing a hot takes kind of episode, uh, things that have been happening around the NFL, um, in society in general, and kind of make some predictions from what we see coming down the pipe. So, um, Uh,
0: I feel Mike, I just want to say we, we did this at the end of season one Yeah. and I, uh, crashed and burned very badly. And you look like a, like Nostradamus over here. So I feel like, uh, this was definitely skewed against me, this whole, uh, this whole platform, but I'm going to go with it. I, I got some great hot takes. I know you've got some great hot takes. So, well, sometimes you
1: got to throw them out there. I think really the only one I nailed was the um, that Russell Wilson was going to leave the Seahawks and then Aaron Rodgers was going to stay with the right. Packers. I just got the vibes in the universe that that was happening. There just seemed to be like they were – Aaron Rodgers just wanted an opinion and um, right. Russell Wilson wanted something different.
0: Yeah, I mean, he wanted to be a star. I'm not really sure how – I mean – I figured he would want to go to a big market, though. You know, not. I mean, Denver's a smaller market, I believe, than Seattle for sure, right? Uh, I don't That'd know if a it's media
1: smaller market. media market.
0: It's well, maybe they're they're pretty similar. If they're not, it's not smaller. I think it might be like eleven and fifteen. I think they're I think they're a little bit behind us, but um, I'm not positive. But anyway, yeah, I, I was thinking he was going to go to, you know, Chicago or try to go to the Giants or. Maybe Miami. I figured we were gonna, be, you know, I, I, I had dreams of uh, Justin Fields or uh, Tua Tagovailoa instead of Drew Locke. but
1: yeah, know. Russell, like his first wife, left us with uh, no options.
0: <laughs> Love it, man! Shout out Golden Tate. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's get right into the uh, let's get into this. You you want to take it away?
1: Uh, why don't we start with yours? We'll start with a little like a shorter one. And then okay. my first one's pretty lengthy. So, all right, let me do get down got? here.
0: So Mike texted me his hot takes for, for 2022. So I texted back my terrible hot takes for 2022. Anyway. Um, my first one is that my first hot take, regardless of Russell Wilson, and this is not me being a Homer Seattle fan, whatever
1: it is, but I hear what I you're mean, saying. I mean,
0: I feel like I just know. So my hot take is that regardless of Russell Wilson, Denver is the worst team in the AFC West. And I don't think it's close. I think they, they were – it was them or or uh, the Raiders before the Raiders got Devontae Adams. And, you know, I mean, I think Russell Wilson's probably the third best quarterback in that division, and I don't think it's even much of a question. Um, and Derek Carr is – Derek Carr is cl- – he's closer to f- – Russell Wilson is closer to the fourth quarterback in the conference or in the in the division than he is to the second quarterback in the division.
1: You say Russell is closer. Yeah,
0: Russell's closer to being the worst. He quarterback is. He in is, is closer
1: to Herbert. No. No. Oh, he. I'm sorry. He is closer to Carr than he is to Herbert. Yes. Agreed. I'd agree with that.
0: Yeah. I know that was a very uh convoluted we got way of there saying that we got but, there. But yeah, we did. Um. So yeah, you know, I I'm looking at this. You know, KJ Hamler still re- who's probably their third best receiver still uh recovering patrick just got ACL. carted off the field today didn't i was he? gonna say tim patrick tore his acl today uh their backup i guess they it must be their third string running back because i guess technically they re-signed melvin gordon which i'm not sure i thought he was like signing a one-day contract to retire there but he is he's back um but i don't think he's putting up much they have javante williams But uh, their their third-string running back, Demarie Crockett, um, who I think they had high hopes for, he tore his ACL today as well. Uh, Yeah, I don't think their offensive line is all that great. I don't think outside of Jerry Judy, I don't think they have incredible receivers. And I think Jerry Judy is – I mean, I think he's probably the second-best receiver on the Seahawks if he's on the Seahawks. Third? Maybe Third. I mean, yeah, Tyler Lockett. Is he better than Lockett? I don't know. I don't. I. That's an. I guess that's an argument you could make. Yeah. He's not as good as DK Lock or DK Metcalf, as far I'd as I'm concerned. I'd agree with concern. that. Um, so he's definitely, and I don't think their offensive line. I mean, their offensive line can't be. I don't think it's any better than the Seahawks. Maybe it is now that the Seahawks are. I saw some rankings. It's, it's
1: middle of the pack. They're about fourteen, fifteen.
0: Yeah, and we probably were that that same with Dwayne Brown last year, and. And the offensive line that we rolled out there, I think we were probably about middle of the pack too. I just think that taking a step back from being like a Seahawks homer and watching Russell Wilson every week and thinking he's great. I mean, and he was, he's a great quarterback. I'm not not disputing that. But, you know, he won a Super Bowl off of a historic defense and an incredible running game that – ended up losing you know i mean then when they tried to switch the script in the the second super bowl they lost because of i mean because of russell wilson more or less
1: but that's a bad play call
0: it yeah it was but they i think they were trying to make him never throw
1: him. an inside slant on the goal line in no. the super bowl
0: ever ever it's undefeated yeah an interception. and so you know and their de- their defense is good Denver's defense is great. You know, not great, but they're they're an a upper-level NFL defense. They're probably top ten. But, you know, I mean, I, I just don't – they're going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. They're going to go up against Justin Herbert and San Diego's offense twice a year. And now Derek Carr and Devontae Adams twice a year. I just feel like and, – and now with the loss – because they, they were expecting big things from Tim Patrick this year, too. They just signed him to, like, a three-year, $40 million contract or something in the off season, so –
1: yeah, I don't think you're too far off with the uh, fourth. Um, I heard an interesting hot take today that the Chiefs were the worst in the AFC West on paper. Hmm. Um, and at first I went, wait, are you are you kidding me? But did they get better
0: from last year? No, definitely not. Their
1: worst defense. Uh, they're worse on the outside uh, from a skill player perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. They they might finish third. Like San Diego looks really good, but it is San Diego. Who knows right. what what direction they're going to go? Uh, they could be taking. They should. They may not punt in the entire season. We don't know. Um, that really puts kind of the Raiders and <laughs> the, yeah. the Chargers at the top of the uh, the top of the list, which I guess really hurts me to say. I would love to see um, the Powder Blue in the Super Bowl. You know, taking home the Lombardi.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Justin Herbert fan because he went to Oregon, but I can put that aside. Can you? I can. I, I don't I'm, know. I do like. I think he's a good I quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting season in the AFC West. That's for sure. But um, yeah, I was, uh, I was not. I mean, I, I never like to see a guy go down for the year, but. Uh, just for this year, I'm, I'm...
1: Would you put money on it?
0: Put money on them finishing fourth? Pro, I, I think they're finishing third or fourth in the division for sure. So, I mean, I don't... I probably, yeah. I mean, if it was good enough odds, I probably would.
1: Okay. I guess, it, yeah, it does come down to the odds every every time.
0: So, yeah. So, that was my first hot take, Mike. What, what do you got for us?
1: All right. I don't know. This is... I don't it's not the hottest of hot takes but uh the Cleveland Browns are the worst NFL franchise in the Super Bowl era. Very Period. declarative.
0: Period as the kids say today. Period. <laughs> End of statement. I, I yeah, I mean I uh I, yeah, I, I wrote down a couple of notes here. I mean, do you want to elaborate on yeah, your point uh, yeah. first? Yeah, so I mean, let's, go, let's, let's take a out.
1: brief trip down mem- memory okay. lane here. All right, so uh, much like the fall of the American middle class and the polarization of <laughs> society, society along political party lines uh, can be traced back to Richard Nixon, the fall of the Cleveland Browns can be tracked back to one owner, a young 35-year-old advertising executive named Art Modell when he became the majority owner in
0: 1961.
1: Okay. So he was the fall of that society, of the Cleveland Browns. Um, Taking a more hands-on approach uh, with team management, Modell angered the Hall of Fame coach, Paul Brown. We all know that based on our previous podcast. The frustration culminated when Brown, unbeknownst to Modell, uh, traded star halfback Bobby Mitchell to the now commanders then... For the rights of the Heisman Trophy winning running back Ernie Davis, 1961. RIP Ernie Davis, he died in 1963, never playing a game for the Browns or any other team uh, because of uh, uh, leukemia. leukemia, Right. right. So, January 7th, 1963, Art Modell fires uh, Paul Brown, essentially ends whatever chance that they had in that iteration of their dynasty. to really kind of continue he did get lucky however the 1964 season the Browns did still have Hall of Fame running back Jim Brown and they won their fourth NFL championship in 1965 they made it to the championship game eventually losing to the Green Bay Packers but after the 1965 season Jim Brown retires so this was interesting kind of how it went down uh, Brown um, interested in pursuing his acting career uh, was on the set of uh, the dirty dozen in London right uh, there was some long filming delays, and it was getting really close to training camp, starting to interfere with what uh, Jim Brown's t- – He had already said 1965 was going to be his final season. It's going to cap it off at 10 years or 10 full seasons. Um, but Art Modell threatened to, to fine him $1,500 a week every for every week that he missed a training camp,
0: which is a ton of money back then.
1: Yes, yeah, we didn't do the the calculations for that, but it was a buttload of money back then. So, um, Brown's response, just retire. So he buys the team in 1961, he fires Hall of Fame coach. Uh, they stumble into a championship in 1964 and then he loses his Hall of Fame. Um, running back, you know, Jim Brown, the Browns are gone. So essentially, 1970s, they lived in uh, mediocrity, uh, 0.499 win percentage. Uh, 80s, they had a 51.9 win percentage. And then the 90s plummets to 0.36 or 36%. Um, And then in 1995, Art Modell moves the Cleveland Browns to the Baltimore area. They changed the name to the Ravens. We all know that. Cleveland is awarded the expansion team. Um, It was Al Lerner who bought the team. Um, They go into the 2000s, end up with a 35% win percentage for that decade, and then 26% the following decade, the 2010s. And then Jimmy Haslam, former Pittsburgh Steeler minority owner, purchases the Browns. And then the 2016 and 2017 Browns uh go a combined one and 31 including an 016 season in 2017 so that's kind of like the stage where they went from probably the top one two three best franchises in the 1950s and 60s to absolutely the the bottom in this one in the super bowl era
0: right well I mean, can I yeah. to throw some, some what, thoughts what's your, in here? Yeah, what's your response so, to that? My notes: the first thing I wrote was absolute trash franchise. Uh, essentially, sold their soul to the devil this year. We'll get there. Okay. Okay. So you don't want to go that far back. I was just going. Yeah, I was going back. I was kind of going back through the quarterbacks. They've drafted Tim mm-hmm. Couch. Yep. Uh, and did they take him number one overall? They did. Yeah, and I forget who else was in that draft, but then. Obviously they took Baker Mayfield back in twenty eighteen when everybody thought it was I mean, everybody thought it was gonna be Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Josh Allen and thank God they didn't draft I mean that's the only saving grace, they didn't draft Rosen or Darnold. Well
1: if you if those are the numbers, Baker was the second best in the in the four that you no, made. No, well better than no, Sam Darnold and he, well, Josh yeah, Rosen.
0: I just that's just because I didn't get to the other quarterback that was drafted in the first round. Uh, named Lamar Jackson. Oh, better. So, yeah. they, you know, they, and they, they, he was drafted at the end of the first, very end of the first round, La, Last I pick, last I believe, pit, yeah. right, but, and has won an MVP and been a, an a, all-pro multiple times, I believe, over the last few years. So, I mean, yeah, that was just, a, you know, I mean, Baker Mayfield makes some hell of, a hell of a good commercial. but uh,
1: Yes, to your point, just since the start of the 1999 season, the Cleveland Browns have had 32 different starting quarterbacks. Regardless who wow. starts on uh, for the Browns on game one of It'll the twenty twenty two season, it will make it number thirty three. Probably uh, Brissett, Jacoby Brissett. Well, then
0: whenever he who shall not be named uh, is back from suspension, will be thirty four. Uh, yeah. So, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be for a whole season. So
1: I'm waiting for the appeal. Yeah. So that's not it, their ineptitude. Doesn't just go back to their quarterbacks. It also includes their uh, head coaches. They've had 21 different head coaches uh, since Paul Brown was fired. Wow. Um, that's an average tenure of less than three full seasons of the 21 coaches. Only five finished their tenure with a record above 500. <laughs> Blanton Collier, who took who, to Took over after um, Paul Brown basically was an assistant coach that got elevated and then played with Paul Brown's team won the Super Bowl or uh, the the national or the world title.
0: Qberry Switzer.
1: Yes, exactly. This is a, the perfect modern uh, analogy. Uh, Nick, uh, I'm going went up 55 uh, 5500 or you know 55 percent four years oh and two in the playoffs marty schottenheimer in four years of the browns head coach i have a kind of soft spot for him mm-hmm. uh he won nfl coach of the year 96 uh had three uh afc division titles 85 86 87 uh and took the browns to two NF- uh, afc championship games uh losing both in dramatic fashion you know the drive and the fumble
0: yeah
1: uh greg williams uh colossal pos i have as a note for that went eight five and three um that's a 62 percent win percentage in 2018 when he took over for the fired hugh jackson so basically fell backwards into that and, and stefanski uh the current uh coach is currently at about uh 57 win percentage um with uh i suspect um if we're just analyzing what the browns have done over the years uh, I, I suspect that that win percentage to decline over time. The more that he's on the field with the Browns, the lower that per win percentage will be.
0: Yeah. OK.
1: So there, the, it's not just the coaches. It's not just the quarterbacks.
0: I was just going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was going to say running back. Didn't they draft Trent Richardson in the top five?
1: Yeah, but they got rid of him with a to, I guess, the Colts for a pretty yeah. good deal at the time oh, once they? they kind okay. of abandoned. So right. it was kind of, yeah, we messed up and, and took the wrong guy. Uh, but we kind of made it back with, you know, getting some good draft picks and stuff like that on the trade. Yeah.
0: Can I tell a quick Trent Richardson story that I saw? Like, I think it was on Real Time. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, uh, Real Sports with uh, Brian Gumbel. He They were interviewing him after he had left. So he was in Cleveland. Had You know, like 10 people living with him at his house, like brothers, uh, mother, grandmother, like aunts and uncles and cousins and buddies, and maybe it might have been more than 10 people. Anyway, he moves to uh, from Cleveland to Indianapolis, not a very long drive, he says and he had to pay to have everything moved. Like he had 10 or 12 or 15 people living with him and those people couldn't pack up and move the stuff from one, you know, one mansion to another. Instead, they were like, oh, we'll just send the movers and we'll, you know, bring our stuff. He had to have all this cars shipped, everything. Anyway, uh, he said his accountant called him and was like, why are you paying for 10 Netflix accounts? And he was just like, what are you talking? I didn't know I was. He's like, yeah. He's like, tell everybody to use the same Netflix account. What the hell's wrong with You're you guys? You're in the same but, house. Yeah, I was like, so ten people in the same house had uh, all. He was paying for ten Netflix accounts for all different people. So I just thought that was crazy. But
1: I, am, I imagine at a certain point it becomes difficult to track every single penny that's going out of your account. Right. But, um, I feel like. I would have a better understanding than that, at least.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would hope so. I would hope so. But, I'd be like, why, yeah, is, there, why is there 14
1: get... profiles? I, I have to scroll through to find mine. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. Well, it just I, I just thought it was interesting to look at, you know, how these guys are taken advantage of by people, too. So, so yeah, you save your money, Yep. NFL players. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, what, what's the other category that uh, they've been inept at?
1: So, the this is now or to 2012. Jimmy Haslam is now the owner of the team, uh, and it comes out in April 18, 2013. Uh, ESPN article: um, A pilot flying J uh, employee told investigators that CEO Jimmy Haslam, the the now owner of the Cleveland uh, Browns, that he knew about the rebate fraud that was happening at his uh, truck stop chain uh, that his family owns. Now. Uh, in, in a nutshell, the FBI alleged that uh, there was a conspiracy to scheme and defraud uh, executed by various pilot uh, employees to deceptively withhold diesel fuel price rebates and discounts from pilot customers uh, for the dual purpose of increasing the profitability of pilot and, in, and increasing diesel sales commissions of the pilot employees participating in the fraud. Uh, This happened from like 2008 through about 2012. Uh, During that time, Jimmy um, was the CEO, um, had left for like a year and then basically came back and took it over again in in 2013. So um, let's see here. Uh, One employee and a a confidential source told uh, investigators that the rebate scheme was discussed during sales meetings attended by Haslam. Um, and referred to the practice by many euphemisms like manual rebates and, quote-unquote, screwing.
0: I never even heard about this.
1: You had no idea?
0: No, not at all. This is crazy, yeah. Now, I don't pay much attention to the Cleveland Browns for, for <laughs> well, good yeah. reason. But
1: this is this is a um, a federal case, though, <laughs> that's crazy. against yeah, an NFL even, owner. I do
0: not remember this at all, but that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that great digging.
1: Well, Jimmy was caught on tape referring to the scheme specifically, stating sounds like Stick's old deal with Western. Stick refers to John Stick Freeman, the then VP of sales, and Western is the Western Express, one of the defrauded trucking companies. So they got him on mic basically saying this stuff in a sales meeting. Again, the scheme lasted from 2008 to 2012. Pilot Flying J was found to have defrauded the customers out of over $50 million. There were Ooh. 92 million in criminal penalties and 85 million in civil settlements. 17 employees were convicted of some charge related to the scheme. The highest was Mark Hazelwood, uh, the then president, and direct report to Jimmy Haslam. Okay. The NFL, despite mountains of evidence, decided not to take uh, disciplinary actions regarding Jimmy Haslam's ownership of the Cleveland Browns. Um, they went uh, 0 and 16 in 2017, essentially the year all of this stuff was uh, coming down. So on top of all that, Al Lerner, well, you had Art Modell, basically the line of demarcation of where the Browns went from a really good team to a really bad team. You had Al Lerner, um, not a bad guy, but owned a, a team that was the worst in 20 years that he kind of was around that, well, 15 years as he was around that team. And then um, Jimmy Haslam, who is was basically investigated for fraud. Um, but that's not it. That's not it with Jimmy. Jimmy.
0: Let's hear What did Jimmy do?
1: <laughs> Jimmy Haslam, fresh off his legal issues with uh, pilot Flying J, throws all his energy into rebuilding the Browns and his image at the same time. Uh, since purchasing the team in 2012, Jimmy Haslam had made six coaching changes. One of the most notable for its chaos was firing of Hugh Jackson. In his efforts to uh, to learn the business of the NFL, Jimmy was known to talk to all people about various things related to, the, to their piece of the team. He would ask position coaches to rank the talent the scouts drafted and the scouts, how the coaches were doing developing talent. He'd essentially be pitting... Uh, these peers against each other, even, even their boss and just creating a lot of, uh, of turmoil, uh, inside the team. Uh, during the 2014 NFL draft, as Johnny Manziel started to slide, Haslam was pushing for Manziel to be drafted with their second, first round pick, the GM coach, GM and the coaching staff and many of the others in the war room were looking to draft Brandon cooks at Oregon state. Okay. Um, and grabbed Teddy Bridgewater in the second round. That was the strategy. However, Haslam didn't like how Teddy shook his hand. Now, if this is, isn't gloves. just like old, rich, white dude logic, I just right. I don't know what it is.
0: Why is he wearing two gloves out there? I, uh,
1: <laughs> he shook my hand with a glove. <laughs> I didn't like the cut of his jib. like i just don't understand what any of that stuff means most of the time um so several in the room later told associates that it felt like a a quintessentially dysfunctional browns draft Uh, team leaders on different pages and bad decision bad decisions leading to more bad decisions both gilbert and menzel would flame out um with the owner in the middle of it all good times um in that particular draft Okay, this is where it kind of gets like really weird. Haslem began to lose faith and patience with his uh, GM Ray Farmer, who he kind of like told that he had fired his his boss and basically said you're you're the GM. And Ray Farmer like, "What? When did yeah. this happen?" So he basically pulls him in as GM and then begins to question his roster decisions almost immediately which uh, many thought unfair due to Haslam's influence in the personnel decision. So he's basically getting mad at Ray Farmer for his decisions, quote-unquote, when everyone knows it's Haslam that's really overriding all of these decisions. Um, So after firing the GM and the head coach, Haslam's executive committee voted 4-1 to to hire Sean McDermott, the now coach of the Buffalo Bills and somebody that appears – to be creating a team uh, organically through trades and drafts and and player development would have been a good get for them back then. Um, They they said he exhibited uh, a willingness to adapt and met many of the characteristics of successful coaches. Um, Haslam decided on Hugh Jackson, the Bengals OC at the time, Haslam had fully committed to two philosophies when he made that hire: one, the Browns and the rebuild model, and two, Jackson and the win-now model. So he was doing a bunch of stuff to, hey, we're gonna build and we're gonna we're gonna create the team organically and and, and develop talent, and then all of a sudden we gotta win now.
0: Let's trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, year.
1: let's just let's just. And it, and it, those two philosophies uh, have been butting a lot of heads.
0: Oh, that's uh, sorry. So everybody knows we're here in the C- Pacific Northwest. That's been the Seattle Mariners store, roller coaster ride for the last 21 years. It's been like, we're we're going to rebuild. We're going to actually we're going to go for it. We're going to rebuild. We're going to assign Sean Figgins to it, like a massive deal. And he, if anybody even knows who that is. Or, no one does. But, you know, nobody does. They, they shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so I know that well. Go, go on, Mike. Go on.
1: Yeah, so um, so after Berkshire Hathaway uh, purchased a majority stake in the pilot uh, Flying J uh, in 2007, basically essentially bailing them out of whatever crap Uncle they were Warren, in the middle Uncle of Warren it. Warren
0: comes in with the check real yep. quick.
1: Haslam focused all of his energy on football, bringing in his wife Dee to focus on the business side of the Browns. Um, while he focused on the football side, um, the first order of business was to slash the prices they were charging to their advertisement uh, partners. Uh, this angered the sales department. Essentially, Dee's response was, why would anybody pay for this, uh, for losing, to advertise with a losing team? And there's like a certain like amount of, uh, she was embarrassed by it and didn't want him to have to pay the full price, you know for that relationship (laughs) um and then things
0: generally work out when owners get very involved with the running of a sports operate uh sports organization
1: well you you cue me up pretty well because her comment she later uh uh denied saying this but was caught in a meeting if we had known how hard it was how hard it would be we never would have bought the team you that's something you really want to hear from (laughs) from your owner as well so um this all stuff culminates with uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley, the OC at the time, arguing um, on Hard Knocks.
0: I, I, watch hard, I watched every episode of Hard Knocks.
1: Like he so walked I'm away, uh, Haley, and was like, yeah, one in 31.
0: Yeah, it was wild. Just
1: completely man. called him out. It's it's. Just completely bonkers, and 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 now with this bright idea, Haslam brought in a speaker, this guy named uh, Bill Highbells, to speak with the team about leadership. Um, him, he, uh, this Bill um, was fired from his church due to several claims of a toxic work environment and sexual harassment. So again, fits right in. Oh, That's yeah. the real trajectory of the of the browns toxic has, work environment well, and sexual harassment
0: on to uh, <laughs> talk to new team members anyway go ahead
1: so next they hire freddie kitchens full stop oh god i mean this is where we're at and
0: that wasn't that like baker mayfield's choice essentially they thought
1: uh he, they I, I don't know if it's it his choice a, he
0: was a quarterback coach and they he was the OC, he had, yeah he was the o, he was the
1: OC. he was the um quarterback coach um then was the oc under i think um Yeah, he was the quarterback coach uh, with under Hugh Jackson, and then when Greg Williams took over, he got moved up to OC. Okay. And then they gave him the job when they fired the next season. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this brings us to the Deshaun Watson situation, uh, giving him 130 million guaranteed over I don't know how many years or whatever, and um, there are allegations that he had um sexually assaulted coerced um 24 at least 24 women probably you know had 30 different massages with different people at least over like a, a little over a year um i think i mean this is one of the worst decisions that i've
0: i mean i'm honestly man i'm uh I'm surprised a hand job Bob Kraft didn't trade for him in New England. Well, or he did. Sign he him, he
1: did make a, a statement about it, condemning Watson. <laughs>
0: I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did.
1: And I don't know that. That's like read the room, Bob. <laughs> why don't kidding. Why don't you just kind of crawl back into your cave and just like let this one play out? <laughs> oh man. Um, but I don't. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they decided to make that. I don't know. I was listening to this thing today and basically this, this happens a lot or often. Uh, and in most cases people get cut because they're not that important,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: occasionally you have these, what you would call perhaps a transcendent player that steps in and does this kind of thing. Maybe Adrian Peterson with the child abuse, um, Kareem hunt, um, again a brown uh,
0: Jimmy Johnson has a, ha, had a good like there's a famous quote from him and I'm not sure exactly what it is but it's something along the lines like well you cut some like guy for being a minute late to practice but Michael Irvin just walked in 10 minutes late and he was just like Michael Irvin's a superstar so he gets special treatment like that's how it goes
1: and I'm okay with that from the little things yeah. you know but we're talking about hurting other people
0: yeah no, it, it's, cra- We're, it's crazy. We're talking
1: about using the power that he has and the fame that he has as an NFL quarterback to coerce and put put women in situations that where they're uncomfortable and feel forced to do things that they don't want to do. And how do you get out of that room? You know, you think in your head, like, let's just get it over with, you think in your head. Like, why? Why would we allow ruffle, this person? Like, I'm
0: probably going to get a huge tip from this guy anyway. Um, like, well, I'm, I'm saying like, as just like giving an mm. NFL player a massage, you're probably going to expect like, the, yo, I'm going to get a big tip. So I don't want to like ruffle any feathers. If he does something inappropriate, I'll, I'll kind of look the other way or whatever the case may I be. I find
1: it problematic to be talking about money and what they, in in those situations. Yeah. Um, I, I, I I don't know. It's... I haven't personally been in the situation, so right. I wouldn't know I'm just, what would I'm be just going, going trying through his yeah,
0: I'm just trying to, like, think what the woman must be thinking. But, yeah, it, it's it's a terrible situation to be in. And I just look at it like, you know, you're a, a rich – I mean, and it's not like this is not a great thing about our society, but you're a rich, young athlete, good-looking guy. You could probably go date any number of women – that would gladly do whatever you want them to do sexually with you for nothing. And you don't have to assault them. Right? Like, what are you doing?
1: Again, a problematic take. Um, it's oftentimes about things other than just sex. It's about power. It's about all this other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Control. It's. I, I think we have to be careful about kind of trying to like justify why he would do this. And Look at it from his perspective. I think we should really be looking at it from their perspective. Right. Um, and
0: yeah, it's it's a bad situation. And then like today this morning, I I woke up and I was flipping through Twitter on my on my phone, and I see like hundreds and hundreds of fans. At the Cleveland Browns practice uh, facility, just going nuts, trying like jumping over each other, trying to get Deshaun Watson's autograph.
1: Absolutely and... disgusting. I've actually taken all I mean, I, I'm from Cleveland, I was born in Cleveland. Um, there, I've always had a kind of, even in their just how bad they are as a, as a team over the years. I still have a soft spot for them. I have some Browns gear and things like that that I wear from time to time, often proudly wear. Um, all of that stuff's boxed up. I haven't even really decided like, whether, when to break it out again. I mean, at some point, the people involved with the scenario are gone or dead uh, within the, the organization. Um, right. Like. Do I wait till Deshaun Watson gets traded or leaves? Um, Do I have to hold out to him and the Haslams are gone and they sell the team? Um, Because let's face it, he's enabling this. um, He's doubling down on the bad decisions. And he's, he's, he's the one that's putting out statements for Deshaun Watson about how sorry he is and how... He did all everything that he was supposed to do, whatever that means, you know, to to earn the trust of the team. It just, I didn't, it doesn't well, make any sense. I think they're all too, bad people.
0: When they sign, so they trade for him and sign him to a contract that's the biggest contract ever given to a quarterback or to any player in the NFL. And they knowing they knew he was going to get suspended because they're only paying him a million dollars this year for the first year of the deal. So that it's it's severely backloaded, which a lot of NFL contracts are. But they, I mean, it seems very suspicious that they. Here's the bottom line. Here's
1: the bottom line with Haslam. Here's the bottom line. He risked his corporation, pilot Flying J, and his freedom potentially for a scheme that netted that netted a multi-billion-dollar corporation. Just about $50 million.
0: Yeah. He was
1: crazy. willing to participate at that level of risk right. for such a small payback. He is just playing that same template now yeah. with the Browns. He's like, I'm taking a huge risk. I don't care. I'm smarter than everyone. And it won't matter when we win. Right. And I hope that's not the case. It might be in Cleveland. And I've been to Cleveland. They're some of them are nice people, but they're not really uh, metropolitan. Let's put it, and I'll say that I'll, I'll hold to that. I've been to Browns uh-huh. games. Yeah. Um. Okay. They're stuck in their ways. They, yeah. It the team is the team, and right. you 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 stick with that regardless. They you know,
0: you know. we were like I said. I mentioned the the tweet I I sent over to you today, um, and you know you're like yeah it makes me sick, and I was like yeah, but I. I I feel like that would have been the same scene, maybe other than at the Washington Commanders uh, practice facility because apparently they don't have any fans showing up there. But everybody else, uh, every other team in the in, in the NFL, I feel like would have – I'm sure Seahawks fans would have been up there, you know, jumping over each other trying to get, get uh, autographs. The Giants, the Jets, whoever. I mean, I don't know what other teams he was – uh, perceived to go to, but well, I think it would have been anywhere. I, anyway. I, don't, think I it's, don't think it's I, just I, Cleveland, right? Well,
1: I don't know if it's unique to Cleveland, but I, I'm pretty positive that the um, lack of outcry and the level at which um, he's still uh, appreciated is is greater than it would be in in, in some other areas. Yeah. I don't I don't want to talk about any other fan base. I don't I don't really know. I know I know the Seahawks uh, fan base. I know the Browns fan I mean, base. And, and I, I a pretty really...
0: progressive city, so man, there would have been a lot more outrage here probably than in Cleveland. Like people would have been out there protesting, but I yeah, it just I, I just feel like it, it, would, it, have it would have been anywhere because
1: it it makes me have to make a business decision now. Right. Like with all of this stuff happening. We'll get to some of the other stuff that's happening in the league as of late. Um with all of these things happening right now, it, ha- it forces me to make a business decision whether I actually want to watch the NFL. And I'm in a podcast with you, and we've done this for now, like almost a year and a half. Um, of we follow football, we appreciate this game, we appreciate you know the history behind it, but it's starting to get very, very difficult for me to sit down and enjoy the game in you know within the the sidelines when there's all this other nonsense going out yeah going on outside of it. That's the thing that's tough for me.
0: Right. I don't Yeah it forces you to compartmentalize, right? And like think about like, well I'm just watching a game. But
1: right? I don't want to compartmentalize. Right. You know? It means it, it it's really it's a it's a light switch, man. It's either I this is the same old shit that we have to deal with all the time and it's like it's not worth You know, me losing my humanity for a football game, or somehow this gets worked out, and he gets suspended for a year at least. Right. And Roger Goodell just throws himself on the grenade, like I'm doing what's right, and then I can sit here, and then and then they take the team. Well. We'll get it. we'll get to that as well. That there's some other stuff that go if if all that happens according to way the way that I believe I guess um, is what is what I'm saying. Um, then I can go. Okay, the universe has been corrected. We we're moving in a direction where we're making good decisions about right and wrong uh, and 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 things like well, that. Well, I just
0: go back to you know like you're seeing all these memes and stuff like a all the different, like Josh Gordon was suspended 25 games over three years for weed, testing positive for weed, or uh, Colin Kaepernick never even got another opportunity to play in the NFL because he took a knee, or, uh, I don't know, Calvin Ridley was suspended for a full season, no questions asked, for gambling on the NFL, which of course is against the rules, but is not as bad as, uh, sexually assaulting thirty, however many women. That plus, it was. we'll just say plus. Yeah, yeah. And they, I saw, I saw something today saying that um, if the so where we're at right now when we when we're recording this, uh, Judge Sue Robinson is suspended, issued a six game suspension. Recommendation. A recommendation. The NFLPA said that that's what they want, which is not. Well, they NFL... said they're
1: not going to appeal any any decision right. from the arbitrator.
0: Okay. And then the NFL has until Thursday morning to issue an appeal. And if that that appeal, though, is just heard by Roger Goodell. So he can make the decision. Well, he's the one that would be appealing. And then he can hand down whatever he wants. And he's been criticized pretty adamantly and should have been for his varying degrees of uh, of suspensions for players for domestic violence and all kinds of things. Um, so I think, I, I feel like this is, like he's looking at this as an opportunity to make himself look better by suspending Deshaun Watson for a year. And I guess apparently Deshaun Watson's camp has already come out and said they're suing the NFL if he is suspended for anything longer than the six games, which just... Like read the room, my guy. Like everybody's pissed off that you only got suspended for six games.
1: Well, he hasn't demonstrated any um, remorse, so it might as well just stick with his vibe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Enough about that. Yeah. Let's move enough on. Enough about some... that knucklehead. Yeah. All right. What's your What's your next hot take?
0: All right. So. Uh... Yeah, I'm a big college football fan as well as NFL. NIL. And the NIL, I'm, I'm interested, Mike, and this isn't really like necessarily a hot take. It's just more of like a question to ponder because mm. I'm wondering how the NIL deals where these kids are getting, you know, $5 million, $2 million, whatever the case, to go play football in college, how motivated are they going to be to continue to get better with a bunch of money in their pocket? And then also, how is that going to affect how many kids come out early for college? Because you see, you know, star players are like, ah, I'm kind of on the fringe. I might be a first rounder. I might be a second rounder. If I can make that money on my second contract, I can get my family out of poverty, whatever the case. Now they already have got their family out of poverty because they made, you know, $5 million over their four, three years in college. You still have to stay three years. And now I, why not just stay an extra year, get a little more seasoned and come out and then, you know, make a make an NFL. Con- I mean, cause these, some of these are comparable to like second round pick contracts. You know what I mean?
1: So first point, why does it matter if they make money at one place or the other? It only helps you, the fan. True. Who cares? Let them make their money wherever they want to make it. It gives them options. I'm I'm saying one, not you specifically, but one should allow them to make the money. I don't think there's any problem with it. If they want to like stay in college for four years because they're making more money there than they would as a projected fifth round pick, by all means, do it. Get your college education, collect as much money as you can and give it a shot wherever after. It doesn't matter to me. And it it shouldn't matter to anyone else. And I also have to – we have to remove that idea that if we give a young person money, that it's going to completely destroy all of their motivation to succeed in life in other ways.
0: Right. Yeah, and I, I true.
1: I, I, I hate the argument because every single one I would lose motivation if I won the lottery. Yeah. I wouldn't want to work.
0: But – uh, so my, my thing is that how many first-round picks do you see just – half like they get paid and then they don't they're just like oh I made it and they, they stop trying they stop like putting in the effort so that I'm just curious as to how that's gonna go it both in college and but who in, cares I mean I'm as but a who football, cares I, I'm just saying as a football fan, somebody else fills
1: that somebody else fills that gap
0: well hopefully I
1: hopefully. mean it doesn't matter if they decide to not put in forth the effort they're not going to be there for very long Right. they have a very well greased process for moving talent through those, through those teams. They know where to go get them. They knew, they know what they need. They know the measurements of that person. Mm -hmm. They know, uh, what level, uh, you know, the, the other measurables, the speed, the, the mental acumen, um, the, the ability to, um, talk about football and understand plays and watching film and study. They, they get all of that stuff.
0: And then, well, so my other question that, that where, as pertaining to if they're going to stay in college longer, also, I'm looking at that from a college perspective. Like so, you know, Alabama churns out twenty juniors that go in the NFL draft every year, five star guys, and they replace them with twenty more five star guys. Are half of those five star guys going to stay in college for their senior year at Alabama? And then, you know, how is that going to affect their ability to recruit that many more? five-star guys that are going to want to sit and wait. Their the turn smart teams will warriors. adapt.
1: They, yeah. it, it has no bearing on anything at all. Besides Mike, they're messing it all it, up by my, moving everybody into super conferences anyway. So none of it yeah, matters.
0: But Mike, it's my, I, I'm just, it's a fun topic. I know. I'm, I, it's a fun topic.
1: It's this something I'm very not, passionate not, about. I hate that <laughs> these so-called adults are interfering with another person's ability to make a living right and we've been calling them student athletes for years as a way to get out of like paying them and giving them the amount of money that they deserve for the product that they what they deliver Uh, and i would have been okay with them um opening like there's no you can enter a transfer portal there's no that that's the biggest thing it's the transfer portal and not everyone's making five million dollars a year but well, like I, my I'm, entire offensive line is now making twenty five thousand dollars a year. That's not enough to make a living off of, right? No. So he's a scholarship employee with a what, uh, with the amount of money that he's making from that particular NIL agreement is would put him in, in you know, it, below the poverty line. So it's not like a lot of these people are getting a ton of money off this stuff, no. right? The the rank and file players aren't making those big money. It's the just, the no, big it's amounts the of money. Top,
0: it's the top guys, the five star high school players.
1: So that's why ones it's ones a fugazi, the whole argument. It, yeah. it really doesn't matter. This guy now has some kicking around money. He can actually buy food, go out on a date. He can he can I read somewhere rent that, an apartment. Uh,
0: the University of Texas has a thing set up because obviously they're like big time college football program. Uh, they're. Going to be paying all of their offensive linemen like they already have like a set number. So like you commit to the University of Texas, regardless of what else you can go out and get on your own, we're going to guarantee that we're going to pay you. Think, Here's the floor, fifty thousand dollars or something the floor. like that per year. Hey, I'm which, okay. They were doing this. Great, they were doing man.
1: this stuff before.
0: Yeah, it's just now it's out in the light. Now but,
1: you're not saying the kid. The kids ineligible for the NBA, uh, yeah. NFL draft. Reggie um,
0: Bush, or what about
1: the guy uh, prior out of Ohio State who got a bunch of tattoos and stuff like that? and Ended up serving a, a two or three game suspension. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, Weber, your buddy, could give you a Chris Weber
0: for free. Yeah, Chris Weber. He, he
1: completely wiped from the University yeah. of Michigan because the he took some dri- money. The
0: whole dream team, or, uh, the whole Fab Five. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm for it, man. I'm here Let, for it. Let's, I'm, I'm let's, all about the
1: athletes. Let's stop making these kids criminals for doing the same thing that everyone else did, but a couple of them got caught.
0: Yeah.
1: And hey, let's start going after the coaches instead. Yes. Keep the kids.
0: I like it. I like it. All right, there you go. All right, let's go. My next one. I'm glad I got you fired up. Let's Got some heat in here. Let's
1: go. All right, so uh, my next hot take. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback from the 2021 draft. Now, I don't think that's much of a hot take. And it's not even close. Um, And he will be top eight quarterback in 2022. Now, I took the liberty of kind of like – Maybe not any particular order Um, looking at the... Well, let's first discuss the the draft class uh, from 2021 so we can compare. First pick, Trevor Lawrence. So we're talking about. Second pick, Zach Wilson. My guy. Trey Lance, third pick. 11, Justin Fields, who is my personal favorite kind of...
0: I like him. Yeah.
1: Mac Jones at 15. Seems to be okay. And your boy, Kellen Mond. I just threw him in there at 66.
0: (laughs) Just uh, if anybody doesn't know, I I was... uh, I bought a bunch of Kellen Mond rookie autograph cards because I just something told, I think Chris Sims, I saw it in a segment with him on YouTube saying how he thought Kellen Mond was the best quarterback in the class. And I'm just like, Kirk Cousins is going to be out of there soon. But turns out the GM does hate Kirk Cousins. So it could be, <laughs> could be. Kellen Mond's days are, are brighter days are ahead. Let's yeah. Let's hope he can
1: complete a pass. All right, cool. So let's, um, I took the liberty of kind of projecting out um, kind of, Starters in the NFL for next year, depending on like in kind of in no particular order. I believe these are the top kind of seven guys. Uh, Pat, Pat Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Herbert, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, and Lamar Jackson. That's seven. Now we're getting into the next kind of the place where I think that Trevor Lawrence has a, an opportunity to get it to. We're talking about Kyler Murray. Okay. He can be better than Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr.
0: Yeah.
1: Better arm talent. Uh, Matt Stafford. Yeah. That guy blacks out and just has yeah, really bad games from time to time. Yeah. Dak Prescott. Not sure what he is yet. Right. Smart quarterback. Yeah. Hasn't really done much.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence was as good or better than Dak Prescott.
1: Russell Wilson. That was the last one I had on my list there.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think if he – and, I, I, and I, uh, the caveat, I'm not – I didn't throw Deshaun Watson in there. I just refused to okay, kind yeah. of really talk about what he's able to produce on the field. Um, so there is a caveat to that. He might so be wedging.
0: probably would be – I mean statistically would probably be.
1: Well, we don't know yet. He hasn't right. played for a year and a half or right. whatever. Yeah. All right. So let's just move on from that that guy. Um, so I'm expecting a huge bounce back in his sophomore season under Doug Peterson, the new head coach. Uh, they should be throwing more in first downs and putting Trevor in a position to have uh, not have to push um, as much. He threw seven of his 17 interceptions in the fourth quarter behind, trying to make things happen, um, making bad throws. So um, hopefully we can reduce the amount of opportunity for him to make those types of passes. Um, I think my projected stats for him... Um, in order to kind of be in that zone, we're looking at 4,500-plus passing yards, 30-plus okay. TDs, uh, 15 uh, interceptions plus or minus, just being realistic. Um, and then I need, I'd i like to see him at about 62% completion percentage.
0: Okay. So who are, the, who are his wide receivers?
1: Uh, right now, according to the depth chart, uh, we have Kristen Kirk, Marvin Jones, and Zay Jones as the, the X, Y in slot.
0: Okay, and they have Lavisca Chenault too, right?
1: Chenault, Treadwell, and Agnew.
0: I think Chenault, like he, he was putting up big numbers um, last year, I think, or maybe the year before, um, with uh, what's his name, the uh, Gardner Minshew, um, before he got traded up to Philly. I think he was that was kind of his number one target, and he was uh, he was great at he went uh, he was he's from Colorado, so he was really good at Colorado, and then I think was a first round pick over there, so. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got weapons. Potential weapons. Uh, Evan Ingram. Tra- Travis Etienne is there. Yep. Um I'm not sure who their backup running backs are, but James Robinson. Uh, okay, and he's he's a nice little uh, change of pace back, and then um, you know the, I think their defense is, is interesting too. Like they're not they're not terrible. They have like some young aggressive guys, and, and yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head um, with Doug Peterson. Like that guy was able to turn Carson Wentz into a. a Good, good quarterback. You know, I mean, he, I'm pretty sure he was an all-pro quarterback one year with Doug Peterson. So. Sometimes
1: it's about just understanding who your quarterback is and what their talents are. Well, and and, Doug and Peterson
0: develop- won a championship with – uh, what's his name? Yeah,
1: adjusting the playbook, yeah.
0: right? What's his name? I'm blanking on the kid's name now. Damn it, I know I can see Big his Big D face. Nick, Nick Foles. Yeah, Big <laughs> D. Yep. But, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think uh, – I, I do think I, – I don't think that – I know you hate Zach Wilson. I watched every BYU game Zach Wilson uh, last year there, and he was so fun to watch. It was like Steve Young or, uh, you know, Come on. Randall Cunningham Come on. running around out there. He's got a cannon for an arm. I believe, yes. He's uh- speedy and he's fun to watch. And I just think that if he's put with the right offensive system, that he can do well there. And I think that Robert Sala in New York, if he can get the defense down, that they're going to be – I think they're going to be good. I,
1: I think they have, the, the, coaching, I have the coaching staff in place. But here's the one thing. You couldn't get RG3 to slide. And you're not going to get Zach Wilson to stop making stupid throws downfield. Yeah. It will not happen. That'll
0: be, that'll be the, te- the, the telling take, point take, right there.
1: Check down. Take what they give you. Yeah. Take what they give you. Move the chains. Move the chains. Sometimes these guys get it in their head. All
0: right.
1: And there's nothing about his life, Zach Wilson, that has told him to be humble.
0: That's true. So that's a problem. I mean, we uh, might uh, call him Big D. uh, No, no, no. no. I don't –
1: like that's what I hated about him, just like this constant barrage.
0: (laughs) New York City loves this guy.
1: I had to to basically block all of those stories on Twitter. I couldn't couldn't do it.
0: It was too funny um you, I, you just have to you have to take it with a grain of salt and like who knows how much of that's true but anyway um is that all for that one that's all for that on? one all right yeah so my next hot take is that aaron Rodgers will not miss Devonte adams and alan lazard will be a household name by week eight
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they still have a lot of good talent. But the one thing you're going to miss is the the connection. So he needs, if he can't get that connection with somebody.
0: So I went back through. He went from, he started, uh, Aaron Rodgers' first starting season was 2008. He went from Donald Driver to Greg Jennings to Jordy Nelson to Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb, people thought he was going to be an MVP candidate. And then he ended up getting hurt, and I think he tore But that's the connection we're talking yeah. about, though, right? Yeah, and then he went on to Devontae Adams from there. But he just, he finds the next guy.
1: Who's the best in that group, though? It's Devontae Adams.
0: It's got to be Devontae Adams. But, I mean, all of those guys were...
1: They're very good, to great players in NFL. Yeah. But was, were, sure.
0: were they good to great players on any other team? Because um, I, I think after Donald Driver was with, I think he play, he played that first year with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and then I think when Brett Favre was able to get out of New York and go to Minnesota that following year, he Donald Driver went with him, hmm. and he wasn't the same quarter, or wide receiver there with an aging Brett Favre. As he was the previous year. And maybe that was just his age catching up to him. But same with Greg Jennings. I think Greg Jennings might have gone to Minnesota that next year too. But or he might have, might have been a couple years later. Anyway. They... Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think he finds... like he, And he's probably been working out with Alan Lazard all offseason.
1: I don't think there's any doubt that Aaron Rodgers can elevate a receiving core. I think he is one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in NFL history. Yeah. Full stop. And but he
0: can't win the big game.
1: I was watching this, uh, like, I don't know how I got in this deep deep dive of Devonte Adams. I think I saw something and he was talking with like having an interview about how he gets off the line of scrimmage and like how he does the little like backstep and you know, the, the shift, the right. shifting that he does. And it's a lot of like basketball moves You know, ironically enough, but I just like this dude just knows how to get off the line and and not get jammed and still get to his spots. And it's it's a talent that you don't see. I don't see it in DK Metcalf. I mean, he's just I'm going to I'm going to barrel over you off the line. You're not going (laughs) to I mean, you can't jam him because he's so big and strong, but like you can get him off his spot. You can get him running out of bounds even on like that's what he'll do. You just you just leverage him. I've seen it. Yeah. It's not the route runner. That's the important thing. I mean, that's what Steve Largent made his career on. That's what Jerry Rice made his career on, you know, just precision right. and and catching the ball. And uh DeVonte Adams does that. He catches the ball. He catches the stuff that gets to him. Um haven't seen that with Lazard very, you know, he catches more than he drops, of course, but he does have some frustrating drops, you know, when uh Aaron gives you that face, like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to yeah, see. Yeah, I think I, I really think that Alan Lazard is going to be the guy this year. So everybody out there listening, draft him in your fantasy football leagues. I would say.
1: Well, I, it, this is like, and I'm, I'm
0: terrible at fantasy football, so you might not want to take that advice 100. But yeah.
1: so you just make a point. I just a think good that, argument, yeah. and then completely blow it up. Blow it up. Good work. I
0: do feel good about the i do feel good about him so
1: i think this is the year where you go is it aaron Rodgers, or was it Devonte adams or whoever right and i think this right. year if he can make make that offense run he's got a he's got good running backs yeah. good offensive line
0: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be good to live see. or die it's by
1: that pass game
0: all right so what uh where are we at with your next one all
1: right let's go on to this crazy one um is the coach of the Dallas Cowboys the worst job in the NFL? Of you ask, manage you or, me? Uh, head coaching job in the NFL. You I posed me. that question, but let me give some some background, and then we'll see what your answer okay. is. So, H.R. uh an oil magnet magnate uh, who purchased the team in 1984 for 85 million dollars, fell on some tough times. He lost 29 million in the 1988 collapse of the first. Republic Bank Corporation, during the savings and loan crisis. This is where like Washington Mutual uh, folded during this period of time. Right. Um, this is where one of three SNLs failed. Savings and loans failed. Um, this forced him to sell the Dallas Cowboys to cover his losses. Here comes Jerry Jones, yet another <laughs> oil man <laughs> buying a, t- a professional team in Texas. It's just ironic. Um, purchased the Dallas Cowboys in 1989 for 140 million. I mean, that's quite a profit. $85 million. you buy it in 1984, sell it five years later for $140 million. Not a bad turnaround on that. Jerry immediately fired Tom Landry right. and hired Jimmy Johnson. Great decision. Then coach of the Miami Hurricanes, former Ar- Arkansas defensive line teammate of Jones. Did you know that? Right, I did. Okay. Um, in a, in an, Jimmy turns the team over uh, very quickly building the Dallas Cowboys into uh, a team that wins um, three Super Bowls during his tenure. I say uh, tenure with an asterisk because the third season was coached by Barry Switzer, but it was essentially the team that Jimmy Johnson had built and had, had, you know, vision for. Um, And in an all time bonehead move, Jerry Jones decides to go to the mattress on personnel moves, offending Jimmy Johnson, who promptly resigns. Jerry, Doubles down on his meddling and decides to hire a series of head coach yes-men. So, Barry Switzer, the aforementioned Barry Switzer, three years. Chan Gailey, a year. Dave Campo. I mean, these names are just, like, ridiculous. Uh, Two years. Bill Parcells. I mean, that's Bill Parcells has the chips, has the resume. So, that's the exception to the rule. Wade Phillips, an an amazing defensive coordinator, um, but has not really... Been able to achieve that level as a um, as a head coach, and then Jason Garrett, for some weird reason, probably because he was the ultimate yes man um, for Jerry Jones, Um, coaches a team for um, nine years, and then the current coach McCarthy who for nine years nine years
0: Jesus,
1: Uh, and then Mike McCarthy uh, has been coaching since two thousand twenty and is pretty well known to be one of the biggest kind of like idiots in coaching.
0: Yeah. I, but I, if
1: you look at the like these guys, there's like, n- like almost none of them got another job after this. I think Parcells retired. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's it's it. just a laundry list of it's, like bad I, coaching I, I, decisions. I remember he tried to get Mike Holmgren to come down there and Holmgren was just like, no chance. Like why would I want to go? Do you, like, who wants to deal with
1: that? Just constant interfering of your owner. Like the sons are, like the president and the GM. It's like you can't get away from it. They're they're always undermining you. So they bring in guys that are going to be like, oh yeah yeah, you can do that. That's it. to me when I watched Hard Knocks, or was it in season or was it Hard Knocks? I think it, it was, was Hard, Hard Knocks. Knocks yeah. That's why I was in, watching McCarthy. So. Yeah yeah, you're right. Uh, the uh, McCarthy. Just like watching him coach is like, oh yeah, Jerry, <laughs> it's just yeah. It just not just not a good look. His ass too much. Right. So yeah, my it's... my point is is like by the simple fact that Jerry Jones hired you for this job means that you probably suck.
0: Right. Or you're a yes man, or you're gonna do what he wants you to do, or whatever yeah. My, so my answer to the question is the coach of the Dallas Cowboys the worst job in the NFL? Yes because the owner's ego is too big yeah and that's all there is to it it's just like al davis with the raiders at the end like you're not you're basically not winning until jerry jones dies or gives the team to his son and then hopefully at that point his son doesn't try to become the next gm and president and screw it up even more yeah it's the george steinbrenner thing like You know, I've been watching this Derek Jeter documentary, and it was – he didn't – basically they – so George Steinbrenner hired a uh, a known, like, gambler and bookie in New York City to try to turn Dave – to get Dave Winfield suspended, and it came out that he was trying to basically pay this guy to say that Dave Winfield was gambling on baseball – And so they suspended George Steinbrenner for a year or two, and he had to go away. And they. Was that when he was on Seinfeld? Yeah, probably. (laughs) And then in 93 or whatever, when he came back, that's when the team started going in the right direction because of the moves that were made in the two years when he wasn't in charge. So, because I mean, they were the laughing stock of baseball for 22 years or something in there. And, And then they went on a you know probably the greatest run of modern baseball you know from 90 what 6 until 2004 or something like that
1: i guess so you're the baseball yeah. guy not me
0: anyway all right so, so
1: what are my observations though? i want to say okay, this yeah, though. Let's go. um so before we had mentioned from 1961 or whatever uh, the browns had like 21 head coaches so this is the thing that I thought was weird that they've only the Cowboys have only had nine head coaches over the entire franchise history. They were established in 1960 and Tom Landry was the coach right up till 1989 and then Jimmy Johnson um, and they've only had um like seven since. And that I thought that was a little stat that was interesting, but basically since Jerry Jones took over um it's been a series of incapable coaches.
0: So. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Um, so am I up next then? Yes. Go. All right. So my next one is that Jalen Hurts will be the first quarterback from the 2020 draft to actually win a Super Bowl. And that's the draft with Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, uh kyler murray i believe and or no kyler murray was the year before sorry uh and yeah it was it it was uh, burrow and Tua were the two big guys that year and i think jalen hurts is going to be the first one to do it he I, I think that the the offensive scheme they're not asking him to do too much but he does have aj brown Devonte smith and jalen rager all out there jalen rager like we haven't even really seen him because he got injured his first year coming out of TCU. He was a first-round draft pick. The guy's lightning fast and caught – like he was c- catching like 140 balls a year at TCU. Um, and then you had Devontae Smith, obviously Heisman Trophy winner, uh, lightning quick as well. And then A.J. Brown is, you know, just a monster coming over from Tennessee. He's got Miles Sanders and K- Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield. Dallas Goddard at tight end. Offensive line is good with Jason Kelsey, um, and a couple others. They have a couple of good tackles. Um, a, a super aggressive defense. I I just think
1: Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox. Yes. What's that? Uh, that Georgia linebacker that they got too supposed to be flying all over the field. I
0: forget his name, but I know exactly who you're. Uh, Nakobe Dean, I think. Yeah, N'Kobe got Dean, him in yeah. the second round of the draft, maybe the third round of the draft. But yeah, I just think that 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 team's going to be fun to watch. I think that's like. Pete Carroll's wet dream is is what <laughs> what that offense is going to look like. Um, I don't I
1: don't want to know what that actually is.
0: I'm just joking, <laughs> but I, I just think uh, I think he's in a great position to to do really well this year, and I think that there's no competition for the Eagles in the uh, NFC East. Okay. I don't think Dallas is not there um, by any stretch of the imagination with uh, Mike McCarthy as the coach and.
1: Or Jerry Jones is the. And owner. obviously
0: the Commanders are terrible, and the <laughs> yeah. Giants are terrible. So, um, they're they're going to be in the dance, pretty much. Uh, well, they did they did make
1: the uh, the last wild card spot um, in the NFC last year, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, if I'm a betting man, I'd still as quote unquote favorites. I would be looking at the Packers, the Bucks, and the Rams. But for, like, if I was gonna name a dark horse or somebody that i thought could shock the league this year um i was actually thinking about this the other day it would definitely be the eagles i'm excited to like watch those you know their games yeah
0: i am too i am too it'll it'll be fun i'm yeah i he's an exciting quarterback i love mobile quarterbacks that can throw the ball he's not the most accurate guy but i don't you know his receivers are going to make up for that because they're speedy as hell and are going to be able to run all over the field, and you know AJ Brown is a big guy, so he's going to got a huge wingspan, all that stuff. He's going to be able to catch the ball, even if it's off target a little bit. I, I just think that it's it's going to, like you said, it's going to be a fun team to watch, and I, th- I think he's hey, got and a real they still shot.
1: got Gardner Minshew. I met, I read an article, <laughs> ESPN article about him the other day where he basically uh, bought a, a bus converted it into uh, like a like an RV mm. and was parked in the the parking lot of the gym for like 5 months just working out every day.
0: Well, that doesn't bode well for because I think that's the same thing Baker Mayfield did his first year in the NFL. But we'll see. I, don't, I root for But Garden, he had a
1: full yeah. RV and it was oh, at yeah. training camp only. Like okay. yeah, he he brought it to training camp.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, like, yeah, I, 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 I like, I like his commitment Minshew. to things. I, I, I like Gardner Minshew. I think he's hilarious, man. He's like Uncle Rico from uh, Napoleon Dynamite, yeah, essentially.
1: And I, I'm partial to the uh, build a build an RV and, and travel in it thing. <laughs>
0: right. That's your that's your jam. I <laughs> like it. it. All right. What's your uh, what's your next hot take?
1: All right. So this one's pretty, I guess, basic. We have already seen the best of Russell Wilson. Aka dangerous, aka the asterisk, aka Mister Unlimited, and my favorite, aka Robot Russell.
0: What about? (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, His uh, passing yards are basically plotted like a bell curve, um, so which means he's on the backside of his career. Like if you were like plot out his you know yards, it would kind of like have that bell curve shape. Um, right. kind of peaking in 2020 um, and he still can't throw over the middle So, he, and he wants to be a pure pocket passer I think one of the things that made him effective early on in his career is kind of being on the movement the, or being in motion bootlegs, yeah. uh, moving the pocket a little bit uh, to make that work and I just, I'm not sure if he's got a deep ball, there's no question Yeah. no question but can yeah, he make those throws point. over the middle?
0: Right. Well, that's the thing. That's why, you know, the Seahawks basically wasted Jimmy Graham. They, you know, they you couldn't use your tight end in this offense because you can't see over the middle. Simple as that. Yeah. And, that's an effective uh, route. That seam route. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody else, you know, I mean, and even Drew Brees, who must be a little bit taller than him, could at least, like, he used Jimmy Graham over the middle all day so I maybe Russell is shorter than him or maybe Russell just is scared to throw over the middle or maybe he's so because con- that was always the knock on him in Seattle is that he's too scared to throw the interception at least until the last couple of years cause he's been throwing interceptions like crazy <laughs> but um, yeah I you know I I put um Seattle or uh, the Seahawks offensive what, we already touched on this a little bit in, in my first uh my first uh, hot take about how the the Broncos were the worst team in the AFC West. Um, the Seahawks' offensive weapons are definitely better. Uh, offensive line is a toss-up, but it's pretty much impossible to block for Russell Wilson anyway because he can't see, so he has to scramble. There's no chance he can just sit in the pocket and sling the ball over the middle. That just doesn't work for him. So it, it's like I just – I forget who – I was listening to, like, a former offensive lineman just talk about on the radio about how you you can't...
1: You listen to the radio?
0: Yeah, I still listen to the radio. Just sports Okay,
1: sorry, sidebar. That's a hot take.
0: It could have been on a podcast. I don't know. Anyway, they, uh, they, they were saying how it's just mobile quarterbacks, especially small mobile quarterbacks, are the hardest. That's the same thing with Kyler Murray down in Arizona. That's why, like, he can do well the first few games, but after that, it's just... You're, you're he can't see anymore. He can't. You know they they change things up. They keep him in the pocket, and then you're done. Yeah. Like that's that's the that's the uh, the, the, the 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 formula the formula to beat him. Yeah. And then Tim Pack Patrick obviously injured and carted off today. And but they do have a good defense. I'll give them that. So keep them in it. Definitely, we'll keep them in it.
1: And a decent running game.
0: And I I would say if I had to give my humble opinion on when his career peaked it was probably when he showed up to training camp the other day wearing his own jersey and driving a truck that he had to have a step stool to get in and out of
1: he's so annoying
0: so annoying
1: i can't i can't do it
0: i can't and it's not it's not sour grapes i'm i'm actually excited for the seahawks i could I, I
1: honestly was like just go please just yeah. go i'm was, i'm, I'm, ha- over I, you. I'm
0: after the the love letter stuff online that he writes to his wife, I, I don't want to see. I, I follow him on Twitter, and it's the most annoying follow on Twitter, probably.
1: So I don't have anything against the guy personally. I, I, he he really seems like a good person. Just, he just a, he's he's speak. a little he's he seems you all well, he's de- that's robot Russ. Phony, yeah, yeah. So I I mean and I get that you know you know I'm not I'm not asking him to put his his personality out into the world he has to be able to control that and he he has a right to do it yeah. it just it it grinds a little bit over time so mm-hmm. you never get a straight answer out of somebody you really know don't really know where he's coming from but some of these like um stories he does and just i don't understand where they're going they're like yeah. Kyrie irvin level weird sometimes right just perplexing
0: all right. And, oh, the other thing with Russell Wilson, the one last thing I want to say, uh, I'm not sold on Nathaniel Hackett as like an offensive mastermind. Sure. He was we'll in see. Jacksonville yeah. for a couple of years, had terrible offenses. And obviously you have the best quarterback of this generation in green Bay. You're going to look pretty goddamn good. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sold on that. Uh, I'm not sold on him as an offensive mind at all. And It'll it'll be interesting. I have a feeling they're gonna get off to a hot start and it's just gonna crumble like it did with the Seahawks the last few years.
1: Perhaps. Perhaps. We'll yeah. see. I'm excited to see how it goes. And you know, either way I'm ambiguous about it, but
0: Yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh well I mean the only thing Ambitious. as a Seahawks fan as a Seahawks fan, we get their first round draft pick, so I'm definitely rooting for them to lose every game. But sure. uh I'm kind of rooting for the Seahawks to lose every game, too, so we can get a better game. I don't know. Either way, man. Let's go. Let's, get Let's go right to the
1: basement, the two of us.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so my next hot take, uh, the Seahawks have positioned themselves to reopen a Super Bowl window in the next two to three years. Uh, I just feel like with their this last draft getting – and, of course, I'm going to blank on both – So the Seahawks drafted two offensive tackles in the first four rounds. Uh, Charles Cross in the first out of uh, Mississippi State and Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. They have Jake Curran, who was a uh, converted or – I'm sorry, uh, undrafted undrafted free agent last year out of Cal that stepped in and played really well the last three or four games of the season. uh, Fighting for that position, they still have – Damian Lewis at guard, and then they're basically a center away from having. They have Gabe Jackson still at guard. They're a center away from having, uh and the center they have was in Shane Waldron's offense in LA two years ago. So I think he could do really well, but I think he's a little older. So they're going to probably need to get a new center, but I think we're a quarterback away. You have DK Metcalf, you have Tyler Lockett. You have uh, Noah Fant, who's I feel is like one of the more underrated tight ends in the league. Uh, on defense, we definitely
1: upgraded at tight end.
0: Yeah, on defense you have the best safety duo in football. You have and these cornerbacks. I don't know if you've heard like these cornerbacks, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen, uh, are the, they drafted both of those guys uh, in the first couple days of the draft? Both of those guys are getting rave reviews, shutting down DK Metcalf in. In uh, practice, yeah, and that's
1: I mean, a good
0: sign. <laughs> DK Metcalf just signed his extension, uh, and, and really the tight end room in general. You got a few guys in that room that can play, uh, and, and I feel like, yeah, the defense has been overhauled. You got uh, Daryl Taylor, who's turning into a hell of a pass rusher. Jordan Brooks is one of the best linebackers in the NFL right now. Uh, I, I'm excited, man. I think I think we're a quarterback. We're we're a season or two of of. Improvement, normal improvements from young guys and a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender.
1: A quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender?
0: Yes. And I heard a hot take the other day saying that somebody was saying they think that Seattle's setting themselves up to sign Lamar Jackson to a big contract next year. Because that would be Pete Carroll's like all-time like dream centerfold uh, quarterback. So, I wouldn't hate it, but I don't, I don't but think, I don't I, think I, would, I don't
1: I don't think there's any way uh, Baltimore gets rid right of him.
0: No, I think they got to keep him. But so that's my that's my hot take, man. I think yeah, I think we're really only missing the quarterback and and a little bit more seasoning from well, the rest of the team.
1: I'm generally pretty pessimistic about these things. I don't think it's impossible your hot take, I think we are a lot more than a quarterback away from a Super Bowl contender. We'll Maybe a, a quarterback away from a playoff berth, but we, we're not a legitimate contender.
0: But we, I think we get I think we, I think we're going to be pretty bad this year. We're going to take our lumps. These young offensive linemen are going to learn, learn the ropes. And I think you draft a quarterback next year, high in the draft. And, and that's the other thing. I think Pete and John That like for all the criticism they've taken over the years since that 2010 and 11 draft when they hit on all those uh, Legion of Boom guys, the and got Russell Wilson. They are they've only gone to so after they drafted Russell Wilson, they only went to go watch one other quarterback uh, quarterback's pro day, and that was Josh Allen. So I feel like they can they have a good eye for quarterbacks. Maybe it's just John Schneider. I don't know. I know Pete Carroll is a defensive-minded guy and just wants his quarterback not to turn the ball over. But I
1: feel like... It's a flip of a coin. First-round quarterbacks, 50-50, whether they're anything. It's really just a flip of a coin. So there's injury. There's, you know, different qualities that, you know... Like, Drew Locke has an amazing arm. He throws a beautiful deep ball. But you just don't know where it's going. Half the time.
0: Well, and that's the that's the thing, though, that I, I feel like the Seahawks, Seahawks could win 10 games this year. They could win two games this year. I think if you can really, if those offensive linemen can gel quickly and, and there's a lot of ifs, but if they can gel quickly, let this running game take hold and Drew Locke can just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, play action pass down the field to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett or Noah Fant, I think you could be a dangerous team. Yeah, and I think the defense looks good. I mean, I think the defense—if if they're healthy—they're going to be—they're going to be a good team.
1: So. All right. Yeah. Well, I fingers yeah. crossed. I guess that's
0: my—that's my Homer take. Homer for the, take for the uh, Homer hot take. Yep. Homer hot take for the episode. Like it. All right. So what—what uh, what do you got left? Here? All
1: right. I got a couple more. This one's so dig in with this one. Okay. So, um, Dan Snyder will be forced by the NFL to sell his team. Mm. That's my hot take. Maybe not this season, uh, but I think before the start of the 2023 season. Um, So let's, a little brief history of the Washington football team. Um, They uh, were a franchise that started in in Boston and uh, they were owned by George Marshall, a racist, Um, they were called the Boston Braves when they entered the league Um, in 1933 the name was changed to the Right. I don't know how to say this I feel like it just by saying it in context it's still like absolutely offensive Um, so we'll call I, I don't know the, the R word, <laughs> they were changed to the R word, and then the ongoing narrative um, for the name change was to, quote unquote, honor the recently hired and first head coach of the team, William Lone Star Dietz, uh, who claimed to be part Sioux. Um, That turned out to be bullshit. Um, AP's story from the Times seems to contradict that, whereby George Marshall was quoted as saying the name was changed to avoid confusion with the then Boston Braves baseball team. So in 1937, he moves the team to D.C. Uh, Back to George Marshall, Um, he was an avowed segregationist, an unapologetic racist, and the last NFL owner to allow black players on the team. Uh, integrating in 1962. Now he did this only because JFK threatened to kick the team out of the stadium, which was built on public lands. So a precedent of where a pre of a president or somebody in the federal government steps in to force an owner of the Washington football team to take action or else. Okay. So there's, we're, we're starting a precedent here. Um, He went on uh, to state in his will that none of his estate was to go to any institution that backed school integration. He died in 1969. In 1972, frustrated that he couldn't see his football team, his football team's home games. President Nixon involved the Justice Department to communicate his idea for fixing the issue, uh, basically allowing home playoff games to be shown regardless of sellout. Congress got involved investigating how to potentially leverage the NFL's monopoly exemption status, proposed their own plan, uh, which the NFL accepted. If a home game was sold out 72 hours before the game, they would show it on local TV. Yet another example of a president precedent of the federal government getting involved in the NFL, uh, and threatening certain action in order to, to get the desired result. Right. Um, Dan Snyder purchased the team in 1999. Uh, no, he was uh, unanimous, uh, unanimously approved by the other owners. Uh, he bought the team for $800 million, which at the time was the most expensive team purchasing deal in sports history. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is. So almost right away, um, he steps into a naming, convi- uh, na- a naming controversy. Okay. Now, we all know that the prior name was... Um, Known to be pretty uh, insensitive and
0: um, racist, uh,
1: racist, yeah, essentially. Um, some of the first articles um, related to how offensive the name uh, was were published in 1971, and there was some national protest that began in uh, 1988. There was significant pro- protest the Super Bowl in 1992, where the Washington Football Team and the Buffalo Bills played. So it kind of was a slow burn, uh, essentially. The origins of the recent name change go back to 2013. After a symposium on the racist stereotypes and cultural appropriation in American sports, several members of Congress sent a letter to Dan Snyder, the then owner, and the NFL commissioner requesting that the name be changed um, as it was, a fe- quote, offensive to Native Americans, end quote. Snyder's response will never change, quote, will never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps, end quote. The name was chosen in 1933 to honor the Native American. This is also his response, quote, the name was cho- chosen in 1933 to honor Native Americans in general, the coach, and the four players at the time that were Native American, end quote. Um, Again, he's he's pushing forward this lie that was told by George Marshall and the football team back in the thirties. He also said that 1971 uh, George Allen consulted with the red cloud Indian fund on the Pine Ridge Indian reservation, which designed the logo. Now this is true. uh, George Allen did go to this group to have them help approve the, the uh, logo but they, had, they did not sign off on the name itself. Um, and they ended up saying, quote, as an organization, Red Cloud Indian School has never and will never endorse the use of the name, R word. Right. Like many Native American organizations across the country, members of our staff and extended community find the name offensive, end quote shortly thereafter the normal racist playbook uh, was executed 2000 um, you know they they basically say people say it's not that bad we did a poll we did a study and 70% of the of the sports fans say it's fine and then they kind of get some testimonials from people that are identifying as an indigenous person and and they kind of stand on the podium and say that it's not that bad uh, one particular guy was asked and he basically said, I don't care about that. I, what I care about is, you know, uh, the atrocities being, you know, the rights being taken away from other, you know, indigenous people. So basically he said, I'm not worried about this, this stupid name right now. We got so many other things to deal with. Um, so it's just that. Oh, and then the and then the politicians get involved with um, you got Pat Buchanan, Pat you can in stepping up and saying stuff like um, people are overreacting and and stuff like that. It's just it, it, there's a when these things happen, you know, there's this playbook that gets played out by by um, the racist, I guess. Um, right. In 2014, the Trademark Trial and Appeals Board and the U.S. Patent and Trademark, Trademark Office canceled six trademarks held by the team stating that the name is disparaging. Um, The team uh, appealed, lost in 2015. They appealed to uh, SCOTUS and lost in 2017. Now, the Supreme Court didn't rule that the name was offensive. What they ruled was is that the name was a commercial name and was not subject to the First Amendment and therefore was not protected and that the Trademark Office had a right to withhold it for whatever reason or uh, not renew it. So this doesn't mean that they had to stop using the name. What it meant is that other people could essentially license products with that name on it without any legal recourse. Um, So this is where it starts to hit the pocketbook and then decisions start having to be made. But even then, back in 2014, uh, up to 2017, they lost the trademark. And they were still, were running with this name. Um, then in 2020, following the George Floyd protests, the Washington Post announced they will stop using the name. Subsequently, other news outlets followed suit. Instead of calling, uh, instead calling them the Washington football team. NFL sponsors began putting pressure on the NFL by threatening to cut ties unless the name was changed. And retail, retail companies began removing the name uh, from merchandise in the stores. So now it's really starting to get um, really affect the pocketbook and the the public perception for the NFL in general. Stating in uh, 2020, the football team played under the name the Washington football team until this year, uh, their first as the commanders. So that journey took us, let's say from 2017 to 2019, uh, basically nothing. This guy was going to Right. He was going to use this name. He didn't care what anyone else thought. It was what it was until he got pressure. Again, another precedent here.
0: And the only reason he got pressured is because of the George Floyd thing.
1: Well, whatever the reason, another precedent here of there's external pressure being applied to the Washington football team and then having a change happen. Right. All right. So now we have three examples where this kind of stuff happened now now we get into the real disgusting stuff Um, toxic work environment Uh, in May 2nd of 2012 Washington football team cheerleaders make allegations to the New York Times in a report stating that they were sexually harassed and intimidated by the team and sponsors during a 2013 trip to Costa Rica for a swimsuit calendar shoot male team sponsors and suite holders were invited for a quote up close end quote access to the photo shoot their passports were collected Mm. by team officials during the trip taking away their official form of id this is essentially human trafficking
0: yeah no shit
1: so may 31st 2018 president of business operations dennis green resigns after 17 years with the team he reportedly was in charge of selling access to the cheerleaders for that aforementioned 2013 shoot on September 27, 2018, the Washington Football Team completed their internal quote investigation, <laughs> concluding that quote all aspects of the report were accurate, but the events were greatly exaggerated and dramatized. End quote. The team said it would make changes, and to the team said it would make changes to be more quote family friendly. End quote. December 30th, 2019, Team Fires President uh, Bruce Allen. Uh, His emails with John Gruden would surface in 2021 revealing racist, homophobic, and sexist comments made by Gruden. Allen joked about uh, racial and political diversity. Now, July 12th, 2020, the Team Fires Alex Santos, Director of Player Personnel, and Richard Mann, Assistant Director of Player Personnel, Allegations to be outlined uh, four days later, July 15th, 2020, senior VP of, of content and play by play broadcaster Larry Michael retired only hours after the Washington Post uh, reached out to him for comment on the report that they were le- releasing the next day. All right. So here is the big drop. July 16th, 2020, 17 women, including 14 former team employees, said they were sexually harassed by members of the Washington football team including unwelcome overtures, sexual comments, pressure to wear revealing clothing, flirt with clients, and lack of support from the HR department. They call out Larry, uh, Larry Michael caught in a hot mic in 2018 talking about the attractiveness of a college-aged intern. After the complaint was filed, an attorney took the hard drive and erased the file. Uh, Alex Santos, inappropriate comments and unwelcome overtures. Richard Mann, inappropriate and suggestive comments via text. Dennis Green, imploring women to wear revealing clothing and asked to flirt with clients. Mitch Mitch Gershman, uh, former COO, uh, berating employees and making comments about bodies. One woman stated that she was propositioned every day uh, uh, at training camp. So this was the big study. So we, we like the, the president, Dennis Green, in 2018 uh, quits. And two years later, this whole report comes out like he knew it was coming. Right. Right. Um, so uh, July 17th, 2020, the athletic writer accuses Alex Santos um, of inappropriate comments and unwelcome advances toward her in March of 2019. Uh, August 26, 2020, we have new allegations. Former cheerleader states that at a charity event in November of 2014, Dan Snyder, suggested she join a longtime friend, Anthony Roberts, in a hotel room to, quote, get to know each other better, end quote. Larry Michael had commissioned two outtake videos of the aforementioned swimsuit calendar shoot in 2008 and 2010 stating that they were a, quote, special project for the owner, end quote. Larry Michael was also accused of sexually harassing a former employee throughout her eight-year tenure with the team, including suggestive comments, unwelcome overtures, inappropriate touching. Former intern tried to file a sexual harassment claim against Alex Santos, but the CFO told her that the team was, quote, male-dominated culture, end quote, and she would have to avoid Santos or quit. She quit. August 31st, 2020, the NFL takes over the quote-unquote internal investigation. Things are getting kind of dicey at this point. September 3rd, former employees on Outside the Line said that while she was an intern, she was followed to her car by a player who continued with unwanted overtures as she tried to leave. She finally left the team after male executives repeatedly commented on her looks. September 4th, 2020, court documents show that the NFL had asked Dan Snyder to, quote, back off his use of private investigators related to the investigation. He's essentially operating a shadow investigation while the NFL is investigating so that's uh, he,
0: he seems like a sneaky little fucker man. it's
1: um, he's worse than that I'll, I'll have my comments at the okay. end uh december 22nd 2020 court documents showed dan snyder paid 1.6 million dollars in 2009 to settle the sexual misconduct a- allegations february 8th 2021 team suspends the cheerleader program pending the investigation February 10, 2021, team reaches an undisclosed settlement with the t- cheerleaders appearing in the aforementioned 2008-2010 videos. March 3rd, 2021, team drops the cheerleading program. July 2nd, 2021, the NFL concludes the investigation stating that the team was, quote, highly unprofessional workplace. Uh, including frequent examples of bullying, intimidation, and sexual harassment, end quote. The team was fined $10 million. October 8th, 2021, the aforementioned emails between John Gruden and Bruce Allen were leaked to the press, highlighting its use of uh, racial tropes when discussing Demarius Smith, head of the uh, NFLPA. October 11th, 2021, John Gruden resigns as coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. October 16, 2021, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform calls on the commissioner to give Congress uh, the findings of the report. December 14, 2021, citing court filings, the Washington Post reports Dan Snyder actively interfered with the investigation by trying to suppress evidence and pay off witnesses. February 2nd, 2022, new allegations arise during an HBO Real Sports podcast. Dan Snyder's placed his hand on a former employee's thigh under the table at a work dinner. He then proceeded to force, uh, attempt to force her into a limo after the event, stopping only when advised by his lawyer to stop quote, Dan, very, very bad idea. And I mean, bad idea. End quote. Hmm. Snyder laughed as, uh, Snyder would repeatedly laugh as men groped and made unwanted advances, uh, at female employees in, uh, the owner suite uh, he was also accused, uh, He also in this uh, new allegation, um, an unknown player on the team dropped his pants on multiple occasions in front of former employees. All right, February 3rd, 2022, Congress finally speaks to former employees. Much of the accusations are corroborated. February 4th, 2020 to congress discovers a quote common interest agreement end quote between the nfl and the team potentially giving dan snyder the ability to quote limit the disclosure of the specific findings and recommendations basically they uh the nfl and dan snyder now have an agreement that they can't release anything because it would be mutually exclusive uh, destruction okay mutual destruction so they basically uh, clammed up um February 9th, 2022, uh, team announces it will be investigating the newest allegations. NFL overrules and takes control of the investigation. So after all of this stuff that was released on February 2nd, uh, the football team goes, hey, we got this. And the NFL is like, no, yeah,
0: we'll, we, we'll we, got take, we got it. <laughs> we, got it from
1: here. <laughs> we got this from here. Um, hold my beer. Uh, February 10th, 2022, NFL blames the team for withholding documents. Team states it was a joint legal strategy, which I do believe. Probably. March thirty first, two 2022, allegations of financial impropriety arose. So this is part two of this whole scandal. All of this toxic work environment, sexual harassment had led to obviously the Congress looking into it. And then once they started digging in, they found out about these financial uh, improprieties as well. So... Uh, March 31st, uh, 2022, Washington Post reports that the committee is investigating allegations of financial impropriety impropriety, (laughs) by the team and Daniel Snyder. Uh, They gave no additional details at the time. March 4th, uh, 2022, former executive Jason Friedman secretly testifies that the financial malfeasance by the team, one specific claim being that the team withheld ticket revenue share for other teams. April 12, 2022, the committee forwards the financial malfeasance allegations to the Federal T- Trade Commission (FTC) um, with the testimony of Des- Jason Friedman stating that quote that the team withheld up to five million in refundable deposits from season ticket holders and maintained two, se- two sets of books." End quote. Uh, to um, that they were under reporting ticket revenue to the NFL, hiding money that was meant to be shared with the other owners. April 18th, 2022, the team releases a statement denying the claims of the financial uh, malfeasance. April 25th, the uh, Virginia and District of Columbia Attorney Generals announced they both are investigating the team and Dan Snyder for sexual harassment in the workplace as well as financial malfeasance. June 1st, Congress asked Dan Snyder and Roger Goodell to testify in front of the committee. Uh, June 15th, Snyder declines the request. Goodell accepts. Sometime between June 1st and June 22nd, uh, Dan Snyder uh, leaves the U.S. and heads to his boat in the Mediterranean Sea. He has like a $200 million boat uh, that he, he uh, uh, s- sitting out there. And I, and based on all of the things I'll, that I'm I'll
0: reading, of him.
1: based on all the stuff I'm reading, I'm almost positive. There's at least one traffic person on that boat at any, at any given time with this, with this guy's history. Wow. Uh, June 22nd, uh, 2022 committee releases new details of Snyder running a shadow investigation. Goodell testifies before the committee, uh, they issue a subpoena for uh, Snyder. He basically left, said, no, I'm not going to talk to the committee. So they, they issued a subpoena. Um, June 27th, uh, Snyder refuses the, defi- uh, the subpoena. Uh, and July 7th, Snyder agrees to testify remotely uh, in late July. I believe he testified on Friday the 29th. Um, I don't know what he said yet. Um, so it's kind of still up in the air. But based uh, on all of these things all of the precedent I think I think they are gonna
0: make they're gonna make him sell the team. they have to so my first thought on this and I know this if anybody's actually still listening to this. thank you for your uh, patience yeah for an hour I feel like I had to get this out <laughs> uh, I said I was so my first thought was I don't think any of the sexual improprieties or the harassment and work uh, toxic workplace environment stuff, has any bearing on any other NFL owner wanting him to sell the team. It's that he was trying to rip them off financially. That's what's all going to boil down to them making him sell the team.
1: I really don't think any of these NFL owners if this didn't come out and they kind of knew about it in their like owner meetings. I don't think they would do a damn thing about it. They would handle it internal. Yeah, I think think where it becomes a problem is when this information makes it to Congress and you start having to answer to an, uh, an institution that can essentially remove your uh, your you from the monopoly exemplist. Right. I think that's the key part of this, is that the federal government has the leverage to entice the NFL to act accordingly. And when you start talking about messing up the bag with 31 other billionaires, um, they're going to start to... We, we already talked about uh, Haslam, a billionaire at the time, entering into a risky scheme to defraud his customers of $50 million. He's already worth a billion. And he's willing to do that for $50 million. Yeah. Like, who, what do you think is going to happen if you start messing up the bag for these guys?
0: He needed some money towards about boat in the Mediterranean.
1: What's funny to me is like, I don't understand why the other owners don't, why do they back the guy? Like what are, what's the precedent that you're trying to prevent? Like your team can just be ripped from you. There's enough evidence here to say that this person, not only should he not own a professional football, uh, professional sports team, he should be in prison somewhere.
0: Well, and it's not like they're taking his team away and he's left with nothing. He's going to get to sell it for, probably two billion dollars or something if not more and i mean look at what the nba did with donald sterling when the you know him well the the
1: nba is the nba and the nfl is the nfl exactly they they handle they operate things different that's why i I, they're the best they're the best
0: run uh professional sports team uh, and my conscience
1: is clean when i watch a basketball game i know not everyone is like the greatest person in the world playing basketball i get it but it's nothing like the dysfunction of the nfl no
0: and who knows? I mean, does that does that relate back to like CTE? I mean, I guess the owners don't have CTE, but the players. I mean, I mean your head beat against a wall for 20 years. Does that make you Deshaun Watson think you can control women and do terrible things to them, or Ezekiel Elliott, or Greg Hardy, or any of these? You know, I mean, it's. I wonder where that where that line is drawn because these are all like. Innocent I, children at some I
1: point, would er, I would err on the side of, that these guys and again, I haven't asked them, but I, I would err on the side that these guys do this stuff because they feel like they can because they've
0: been like lollycoddled all the way through since they were little kids. No
1: I, I, I think I think they're wealthy. They have a, a particular set of skills that's that's um, valued in our society there aren't a lot of them um, well, but
0: I but I've seen it man like a, a great especially like in Texas I mean you lived in Texas for like your last couple of years of high school right yeah but I I, I like think they,
1: concentrating it down to that is the reason I think it's short-sighted I think there's a yeah they don't get... think
0: they can't do anything wrong at the end of the day when you get pushed through because even if you fuck up on a test you're still gonna get to play in the game Friday night. And everybody's going to cheer for you, and you're going to go out, You know, especially in Texas, you're going to go out to get a bite to eat afterwards, and they're going to pay for your meal and give you your meal for free because you're the star quarterback or the star running back or whatever the case may be. Um, I just think it, What about
1: yeah. Bill Gates? Same scenario for him? Yeah, he hung out with uh, Epstein.
0: I mean, yeah. He, I think I, I'm should, I, almost I, positive I think should based should on that
1: evidence yeah. uh, that he – did some illegal shit. Right. Well, yeah. But he, if you I have a billion dollars in this world, do you think you didn't have to do something that yeah. was uh, borderline illegal or illegal, period, right. and borderline like capital crime to get where you needed to be? Uh, of course. I mean, that I don't know. I don't think it's like because the football player was had to play. That's got true. allowed to play a game because you know, because he was same a good thing player. There's
0: no. I think it's a matter of that there's no, but that's a function of the
1: power that they get once they're in the, once they're in the position.
0: That's true. So if you're a star, but yeah, that's, it's the same thing. So if you're a star player growing up, you're, uh you know you're you're loved and and adored and no and you can do no wrong i just don't think a child i don't think a child becomes that rich like once you hit a certain point people just start kissing your ass Dude, i I just think it's i think it's a big jump
1: to go from a child that gets coddled and and not really held accountable for the the little things that he does in high school when it turns into something this big and this nefarious What
0: about a kid that like cuts the head off a cat and then ends up to be a serial killer
1: well, you're really going down a very specific path here. <laughs> all right, here. let's
0: let's keep the. Right, we got to Like I'm, I'm getting delusional. This, this is, uh, this has gone on long enough. Yes, I think he sells. I think they forced him to sell the team. All right. All right, I'm gonna let you just go with your last one, man.
1: All right, let's my last one. Stupid. Uh, Urban Meyer will be back coaching D1 college football, some mid-major somewhere by the, the uh, 2023 season. I just think I college football is, like, the worst institution in the world. They give right. no Fs about anything going on, and they they just go back to what they know.
0: No, 100%. Um, I, I could see this in a heartbeat. As soon as I read this on your list, I was like, yeah, I could 100% see that. I think he uh, – yeah, I mean, he'll probably end up at, like, Florida Atlantic or something, like Lane Kiffin was. Yeah, the, La- like the, and, uh, the Lane Lane-Giffen Kiffin role. Uh, around. And then he'll end up maybe, uh, who knows, when uh, Nick Saban retires from Alabama, he'll get that job in a couple Oof. years. And just he is be, not right for that time. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, I was thinking he's probably, I, in my the first thing I wrote is he's probably Googling which college has the best-looking co-eds. Because oh. uh, he's, yeah, if you don't know, Google Urban Meyer. A bar young lady anyway um but yeah I, i'm sure he's probably going to turn some mid-major around into a maybe youngstown state i know he's from uh from youngstown i believe like a bunch of those jim trestle and a bunch of those coaches that came through ohio state are all from out there um you know turn that place around and then well, he coached at bowling maybe, green right out oh, there oh yeah he did yeah yeah and then he coached at utah as well in florida and ohio state so yeah i, I could see him I could see him taking over some, you know, maybe takes over, uh, you know, UCLA. He's going to want to be in some big city, like with nice weather, probably maybe Miami, maybe maybe. I, I don't even Florida think State. he'll
1: have that choice. I think the thing that the enough time goes by, he's like, I think we can do this again. He, he's getting phone calls right now. Oh, yeah. So it's just about when his PR team figures that it's the right time to go out there.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a Washington Huskies fan, and... Everybody on the Washington, when the Washington Huskies fired their coach and hired a new guy this year uh, from Fresno State, but everybody was like, go get Urban Meyer. Like, what are you doing? Like, when Urban Meyer gets fired, go get him. And I was like, I mean, it, it comes back to that, like, where are you okay? Like, with that, you, do you want your coach being a shitbag? We already had Steve Sarkeesian uh, here years ago that was. How about, uh, like,
1: Southern Illinois? Like, he becomes, he's like, he's a Saluki. or." I or Western Michigan. Yeah. You know, something like that. That's what I'm thinking.
0: I could see it, man. I, I think you're right. I think he's definitely, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, it's just like Nick Saban, but Nick Saban got to go right back to Alabama from Miami and didn't have nearly the controversy that.
1: Uh, Being that it's that, Ohio, I think if he goes, I want to I go back to Ohio State, they'd figure out a way to bring him back.
0: Maybe I'll he be beat Michigan. for, a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a yeah. consultant yeah i've been as a consultant for a couple of years and until ryan day takes a uh, an nfl job and then he gets the job back
1: well, yeah. There you go any well, other man, ones I think, or you just I, yeah
0: i think that's it okay I think that's it i think we uh, we we hot take them to death and uh hopefully everybody likes this if you're still listening we appreciate you please like share rate review listen we we, we really appreciate it all and uh, we'll be back soon. We're gonna we're gonna get some more. Uh, we're we're, we're uh, volleying ideas back and forth. Um, actually, Mike's the idea guy. I'm not even gonna lie. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm counting on Mike. Hopefully, he's volleying some ideas around in his head. And uh, we will be back soon. Uh, NFL season's right around the corner. By the time this is out, it's probably gonna be uh, coincide with you watching the uh, Hall of Fame game in a couple of days. So, uh, hope you all enjoy. And we will be back soon.
1: Man. If I had known it'd been this hard, it was gonna be this hard. I would have never started this podcast.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time.